The Space God Memoirs. Season 2, Episode 3 I waited at the entrance to the Silver Hall, my mind jittery. This was it. I was going to meet the Nyar Council. Seconds ago, I had descended a rapid elevator in the center of the Amatherium and stepped out into a section located far beneath the command bridge. I looked to Zirathra, whose slender figure stood beside my own, dressed in a loose-fitting lavender gown, her cyan-colored hair in a flowing, feathered pattern. Mere hours ago, I had been linked with Z's mind, inside of her. It still felt awkward and clumsy being back in my own body, and at times I couldn't help peeking at her, as if expecting to see through her eyes instead of my own. But in truth, it didn't feel nearly as trippy and unbelievable as you'd think. I guess we can get used to just about anything. Zirathra looked up quickly, as if receiving a message in her head. It is time for us to go in, she said, gesturing forward. The hallway ahead was a tunnel of perfectly polished silver, seamless and without blemish, as if a sculptor had simply pushed aside the solid metal like wet clay. As I gazed at its walls, I saw only my own reflection staring back. The familiar lanky body covered in gray skin. Same old face with its sunset orange eyes, black hair streaked with red, and impishly handsome features. But I noticed some changes, too. The skin tone more consistent. The old scars completely vanished. The muscles beneath a good deal more ripped. Nice, I noted, eager to see what other changes my ascension had made to my body. With mirrors on every side... There was reflection after reflection visible upon the surfaces. The more I looked, the more Kefs I could see. And sometimes the figures in the mirror weren't Kef at all. Staring back at me was Garvel Thren, tall and wide-shouldered, his features sharp and a shiny metal plate over the right half of his face. Somewhat behind him was a young woman I knew to be Janessa Vri, with her green hair and red pilot's uniform. As I moved farther down the hall, more figures stared back at me. Some I recognized. Rayleigh and Burge were among them, waving at me as I passed. The Kibra, too, stood there, arms crossed over her chest, still wearing the same bronzed armor she had spent most of her life in. I wondered how the mirror could do it. Was my mind being read? Did it run on tech or just straight-up magic? Had to be some kind of weird mental thing. None of the mirror images reflected Zirathra, who was still walking beside me down the hall. At its terminus, the corridor opened into an expansive chamber, its shape spherical. Its walls were made of the same perfectly polished silvery metal. But unlike the hall, I could not see a single reflection upon it, neither for me, Z, or for the entity standing at the room's center. And yes, there was only one, not a council. 
first glance, I wasn't sure if it was even a person or some elaborate statue. Standing nearly twice my own height, the being was a thin form, his flesh made of material that resembled green artisan's glass or maybe emerald. Its shape was humanoid, but upon its back were two sets of enormous wings. I looked to Z. She nodded to me. Go forward. They are ready for you. I gingerly moved up to the statue-like being, till I stood just a few feet away, gazing up at its placid visage. A person's face, serene, neutral, cold, stared down at me, its gemstone eyes glowing a bright yellow. There was a weight behind those eyes, power that I could not define. Zerathra moved in beside me. Is this uh, the council? I asked. I am the one known as Sabaharthas, spoke the winged entity, his voice soft and yet somehow resonant. I speak for the Nyar Council among their 18 sectors. As the being spoke, I got the impression of other entities behind it, immense intellects all simultaneously gazing down upon me. A cornucopia of images flashed through my mind, an enormous man with alabaster skin and a hundred hands. A planet-sized whale that swam through the stars. A serpent of liquid fire. And more. The council. My knees were wobbly. My stomach churning. Even then, after all that craziness I had been through, there was a tiny animal part of me that still felt like getting down on its knees and prostrating itself. I ignored it, standing my ground. Maybe this was some kind of test. The council's presence receded into the background. They remained, watching. Initiate, said Savaharthas. I have received data on your recent ascension from planet 5 of this star system. The trials were unconventional, hastily converted from a Veyer process, and you were not the expected or ideal candidate. Um, thanks? Was this glassy bird person insulting me? Immediately following your unexpected ascension, you displayed both your resourcefulness and chaotic nature by disabling an IR agent. Stealing one of our vessels and evading escape for an extensive pursuit. I tried to hide any emotions that might be showing on my face, unsure whether this was a compliment or a rebuke. Your actions show that despite your origins on a Vare farm world, you have potential. You are lacking in the areas of mental discipline, ethical behavior, and serving of others. Yet such is to be expected from one bereft of wise guidance. I, uh... Hold up, I said. Who are you people anyway? I'm not sure if you're gods, space wizards, scientists, or a cult. I kind of like to know who I'm dealing with before committing to something. Indeed, that is why we are here. To learn of one another. To assess one another. I have the information you seek. We are the Nyar Harmonium. We are an interstellar society of advanced individuals acting as a whole. 
for the purpose of mutual advancement. The uh, Nyar Harmonium. Hmm. Is that a species? A religion? Some kind of political group? The Nyar are composed of many divergent species from a number of genetic strains. Our members hail from 8,468 separate star systems. Many among the Nyar have ceased identifying as members of any particular species. As a society, we are united by our ethos, not by genetics, which are malleable. It all sounds so complicated. Why go through all the trouble of recruiting me, or anyone for that matter? Seems like a lot of work just to get one guy. The truth is, we had hoped to obtain at least several recruits in the process. Yet, any addition to the Nyar ranks is a positive gain. Can't you just bolster the ranks the old-fashioned way? I mean, have babies or something? Z eyed me, the glimmer of a smile showing on her face. You, uh, still do that sort of thing up here, right? I asked. The Nyar are not born. The cycle of birth, death, and rebirth is a commonality on farm worlds and undeveloped planets. For us, this is a thing of the past. While births are possible among us, a Nyar is not made by birth, not defined by the body. The body can be changed, can be remade and altered and thrown aside. The spirit is what we seek. To truly stand among the Nyar and utilize our full abilities, your spirit must have reached the proper stage of growth. You, Recruit, have shown a sufficiently advanced spirit to join our ranks. And what does that mean exactly? I wasn't anyone special back on Aruvis. I wasn't some saint or priest. Didn't spend my life meditating in a cave or dedicating myself to charity. What makes you folks think I'm suited to all this? I can sense that you underwent a unifying of your aspects following your trials. You witnessed yourself the varied incarnations you have led, all of which dwell within your essence now, to be fully accessed with the proper training. Simply put, you were ready to rise beyond your farm world existence, whatever life you may have led upon it. Our true selves, Initiate, are vast things, extending far beyond our ordinary sight. You may not think that you were ready for such a jump in existence, yet it occurred. Here you are. Had you not been ready, the Tower of Trials would not have created a new body for you. Seek within, Initiate, and you will discover all of the qualities you believe you lack. I shrugged. Maybe he was right. My old scrounger's pride didn't want to admit it. But I knew I was more than just that shallow yug I had always pretended to be. All right then, I said. If you think I'm worthy, I guess I am. Ah, wonderful, said Savaharthus. We may continue. Please note, however, that speech is not ideal for transmitting further information to you. He reached out one of his glassy hands and touched me on the center of my chest. A flash of yellow light. I no longer stood in that mirrored sphere of a room, but in a void. The world of Aruvis.
the image of its globe afloat in space. Beside it hovered the moon, orange and barren. With a flicker, a structure appeared and set over that moon, a dark, spiny mass resembling some urchin of the sea, the Eye of the Gods, as Aruvan religions had dubbed it. This is a fifth world in the Mandia system, designated Aruvis by its inhabitants, cooled from a state of molten lava 6.78 billion cycles ago. Life seeded approximately 1.2 billion cycles ago by an unknown progenitor experiment, allowed to evolve to a semi-sentient state approximately 3 million cycles back, established as a farm world by the Veyr 50,000 cycles back, installed with a Type 2 grid system with afterlife and incarnate cycling enabled. I continued to watch my view zooming downward until I could see the surface of the planet, familiar yet curiously different. The land lusher, the oceans blue-green and filled with water, and substantially less desert than I expected. Cities took shape, starting as simple stone or wooden enclosures, then expanding outward as industry boomed. I watched as those cities grew and multiplied, till there was hardly an area on the planet that didn't have one. The stone and wood buildings were soon replaced with metal and glass, spheres and towers that reached for the heavens. I saw the structure I'd known as the high road taking shape, connecting the many cities with rapidly moving rail cars. The skies were alive with flying ships of diverse designs. It was the slow and steady path of progress, discovery leading to discovery, until those discoveries grew into technologies that spread across the globe. That is, until a certain technology was discovered. My connection gave me no details as to what it might be, but it was judged by the world's controllers to be unacceptable. The planet was soon surrounded by the Veyr fleet, with their familiar biotechnological appearance. There was no war with the people on the surface. Just a few shots fired from each immense vessel. One quick bombardment was enough to cascade the planet in a shower of plasma, burning society to the ground and melting its frail achievements back into barbarism. Thus the farm world was maintained, stated Savaharthus. Hold up, I asked. Farm world? Farm for what? Atra. It returned that singular word, meaningless to me. I recalled what I had seen after ascending the tower and rising above the afterlife realms. The image of all those people, those souls, exuding that golden energy as they were cycled through the afterlife realms and back down to the planet in an endless repetition, beaming that shimmering stuff to the eye of the gods above. At that moment, the whole world had seemed like a generator. Yes, returned the disembodied voice of Zavaharthus. My mental vision was now focused on a mass of the same substance floating in the atmosphere of Aruvis. Then my view zoomed in on a bit of the golden stuff, hovering between the planet and the sky. Closer and closer I went, until all I could see was a single particle of it. It had a golden sheen, yes, but up close it glimmered with every color and more, like a resplendent rainbow of energy 
jumping haphazardly between various polyhedral forms, each one glowing with all the energy of a sun. Power, energy, life, soul, Atra. Savaharthas transmitted to me these concepts, not as mere words, but as complex ideas, altogether conveying a sense that whatever this Atra truly was, it was special and infinitely valuable. The Atra, the metaphysical particle beyond all matter, generated by consciousness observing existence, intensified by personal emotion. The Atra is the key to galactic society, the essential source of energy, the secret to interstellar travel, near immortality, and abilities previously thought of as mystical. So, what? They harvest this Atra stuff from people? Indeed, stated the Nayar. All conscious life produces Atra merely by its existence. Though it is present in other energy phenomena, it has been determined that the most efficient way to harvest the Atra is via the actions of sentient beings. Among the Nayar, we prefer to extract it with subtler methods, involving free will and personal empowerment. The Vayar have no such ideals. In fact, they prefer their Atra to be harvested through fear, anger, and other strong emotions. Favoring the more charged properties, such methods give the Atra. I stared at the fading image of Arubis before me, disgusted and sickened. This had been my life, the life of everyone I had ever known. People down there had believed in religions, in deities, and an afterlife and the reincarnation of their soul into new bodies, until they had perfected themselves. It had all been a lie. Even the retribution, that horrifying apocalypse that had brought my world low. It had just been the system correcting itself, making sure it could continue producing some energy for some unseen alien oppressors. For a moment, my mind's eye was cloaked in darkness. Then I once more stood in that mirrored sphere of a room, the emerald form of Sabaharthas before me, Zerathra by my side. Who are these Veyr? The people of Aruvis called them gods. But I never did buy that line. The Veyr are a breakaway sect, answered Sabaharthas, once more using his physical voice. Once a part of our galactic society, they have gone mad in their pursuit for power. Seeking shortcuts to raising their own consciousness, the Vare run brutal farm worlds where they enslave entire populations, all to refine the Atra for their own use. They shun our ways of cooperation, rationality, and compassion, instead seeing the universe as a place of competition, where all must fight for supremacy. They have long dominated your world, as they seek to dominate many, in this sector, Zerathra has been our main agent in reversing that. Z once more stepped into my view, locking eyes with me. Our ultimate goal in this sector is to liberate Arubis and wrest it from Vayar control. Looks like you got a ways to go if that last battle is any indication. Might need some more ships and fighters for an invasion. No, an invasion is not planned. The sector is officially under Vayar control, and overt military action would violate several treaties we have with them. 
Therefore, we must utilize subtler methods. That is the reason I was sent to the surface and interfered with their recruitment efforts. The reason I found you. We had hoped to obtain enough initiates from Arubis to give the Nyar a majority in this system, which would allow for an easier transition of power. Guess you'll have to settle for just me. For the moment, yes. As for liberating your world, we will have to utilize different methods. And what's Arubis to the Nyar? I asked. From what I'm starting to see, it was just another farm world, now trashed. Aruvis was not a typical case. There was something unusual about the entire process. The hastiness of bombarding a society on the edge of becoming interstellar. While the Vare are not strangers to destruction, even on a planetary scale, there was a remarkable brashness to their retribution on your world. My theory is that they sought to cover something up, or to actively search for something on Aruvis. Thus, their continued presence on your planet, even though it has not been an efficient farm world for quite some time. Must be why you folks are trying to recruit me. Because I'm an insider. I know the people, the place. And I got a vested interest in it all. Makes sense, in a way. As well, Kef, our scans show that you have incarnations dating back to the time before the retribution. Your past is intimately connected with the planet and its technological growth. Another reason you are invaluable to our efforts. I glanced from the beautiful blue girl to the weird winged fellow and back. So, yeah, I said, folding my arms over my chest. You space guys want me to join you. Sounds nice, really. A life of majestic cosmic adventure. A chance to make things right back home. But I'm wondering, do I have a choice? What would happen if I said no? You indeed have a choice, recruit, said the resonant voice of Sevaharthas. You may always choose to return to life on a farm world, though such would entail a memory wipe and a rebirth, of course, as an infant. Well then, sign me up. I had only the vaguest idea of what I was about to get into. The one thing I did know for certain was that it would be interesting. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Space God Memoirs. Space God is written, performed, and produced by A.M. Arctos. Original musical score by Alpha Colors. Various sound effects created by Industrial Strength Records Incorporated. Please support this podcast by following, rating, and sharing on your favorite social media site. For further info on Space God, its creator, and various other opinions, musings, and thoughts, Go to www.spacegodmemoirs.com or follow me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. If you enjoyed the Space God Memoirs, please consider supporting us by becoming a patron. Check out the Patreon link in our description to learn more.